Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming. My, my normal intro whenever I get to do a seminar is I tell people if they're bored, they can leave whenever the heck they want. But it sounded like you were told this is mandatory, so I guess you're going to have to stay. <laughs> so our first joke of the program in humor. Uh, yeah, thank you for the courtesy applause. Um, we've, we've got a ton of information to rifle through. Um, I hope it is super helpful for you. There'll be some resources that will get you at the end. Um, did our microphone make it over this way? Oh, great. It's right there. So I hope you get to hear half of this stuff. Can you sort of hear us in the back? Yeah. Great, great. Let me pray for our time, and then we'll dive in. Jesus, thank you that uh, you are the author of life. Thank you that uh, laughter is the language of heaven. Thank you that uh, you smile when you look at us. I think of all of the things that make life fun and funny, and we know that you uh, are the source behind those things. God, I, uh, I pray that you would protect us in our humor, uh, that you would protect us from the ways that the, uh, the evil one would want to twist it and bend it to his purposes. Thank you for this time that we have together. I pray, God, that everything that we talk about that's of you would be remembered, and anything that is not of you, that it would be forgotten. We love you, Jesus. We beg you to be here, and we pray in your name. Amen. Um, quickly, uh, a quick introduction. If you don't know me or Jonathan, we were going to introduce ourselves to you. Uh, Jonathan is a volunteer in Dayton. He was a volunteer in Toledo before that. Uh, he's been a volunteer for 12 years doing, you know, the kind of stuff you do week in and week out at your club. If you've only been a leader for one or two years, he's probably picked up a couple of things uh, along the way. He's helped program, programmatically at seven different fall weekends, uh, along with a summer camp assignment in Scotland, and wrote all the scripts for another summer camp in the Czech Republic. So he's done a couple of things that, that uh, probably some things that have bombed over the years, and a lot of things that have gone great. So that was he was my uh, first choice. Actually, Rich, Rich suggested uh, that Jonathan be uh, a part of this. And... For some of you, Eric has been in this region forever. Uh, he is legendary, what I would say. No, really Since eternity passed. Um, guys, he has been around program so much. He has done 10 summer camp assignments. He's done six international assignments. He's trained countless program directors that are currently now doing summer camp program as well as he trains international staff on how to do program well. Um, I have learned a lot from listening to him talk about this kind of stuff over the years. So it's a lot of fun to... Well, That's kind. Good. Thank you. Yes. And that was on the schedule, so you were going to say it anyway. And you got it. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, the other thing I'd say at the onset of this, two thoughts. Uh, if you came to my club back home to watch club humor and games and stuff in my club, I know there are times that I would be humiliated that that was the night that you came. And I'm looking at my co-leader and she's thinking, yeah, whatever, Hoffman's run this one. That's a good one. Uh, I, I hope you know it's with humil humility that we approach this and know that we, you know all of us have horrible stuff that occasionally happens in our By confession, my run on last semester completely bombed due to a lot of things that we're going to talk about today and I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, lastly is this. Um, I don't know that Jonathan and I are that gifted in terms of humor. So if there's part of you that's here that's thinking, I'm not funny at all. I'm so glad I'm the one that's coming to this because I feel like I could just never be funny. I do think that's kind of a lie. I think much of humor, maybe even 90% uh, of humor is not necessarily tied to your natural gifting. Um, I don't think you're that funny, and I, and I don't think that I am. And, I, and that's a huge relief to me to know that there are other ways to really get belly laughs out of kids and prepare them to hear the, uh, hear the gospel. So, uh, time to do the survey thing. Let's do the survey thing. Uh, did you guys finish that little survey? Stink. I didn't save one for myself, and there isn't one near me. Um, oh, thanks. Thanks for letting Thank me you. steal that one. We'll see when he graded um, himself. Okay, First question on the survey was this. <clears throat> Last semester. Quality of our meetings was A, B, C, D, F. How many of you said ours was an F? Raise your hand. F's in the room? Just your club. There you go. Uh, how about a D? Raise your hand for a D. One. Who said they gave themselves a C? A lot of hands. 
that we had a lot of C clubs in my club, but we had a bunch of Bs too. Who would say a B? Okay, so probably mostly Bs and Cs. How many clubs would say, I think last semester was an A? How many A's do we have? Gosh, that's great that, so, that there are a few. Uh, I hope you're not just generous with yourself. I really hope that you pulled it off, those of you that raised your hand. Uh, our grade would have been higher, except A, leaders were tackling tasks they're not gifted for. How many had that? Raise your hand high so I can see, just out of curiosity. Great. How many said we didn't spend enough time preparing? How many hands? Wow, for the recording. A lot of hands. Uh, how many people said, see, we prepared the wrong lessons, leaders, talks, skits, whatever? Only a couple. How many of you would say kids just didn't respond? They were great. They're just kids or aides. How many would say that? A few. Okay, so about a third of us. Uh, and this guy wrote E, all of the above. <laughs> so sorry. I'm just going to share your sin in front of us. That's okay. Uh, best description of our team. Hey, one leader on our team does everything. Who said that? Anybody say that? No one. No? Except the leader who writes everything and didn't have the guts to raise it. Uh, B. One leader on our team plans out the semester, tells other leaders exactly what to do. They list campaigner topics, scripture questions, song selection at club, club talk with illustration and passage. Wow, this is a micromanager. Yes. I forgot I wrote this. Yeah. Uh, and which skit and props to get run on scripts and costumes. How many people said B? Oh, man, a few. I'm sorry. Uh, how many people said C? Our team meets a ton just to hang out. We pray together every 10 weeks. We plan stuff. We fight a little, but we're friends. It's like... Wow, this is really solid, good stuff. How many people said C describes their team? Oh, man, that's beautiful. I bet we had almost half the people saying that describes their team. Uh, letter D, our team meets occasionally, usually because of some emergency. We only spend a little time evaluating or planning. The oldest leader or head leader comes up with a skeletal layout of who has what each semester. We pat each other on the back each week, and we rarely bomb, but most of our stuff is acceptable instead of excellent. We're just so busy. How many people said D? Wow, very few. I feel like uh, that's, that defines what I'm up to. Um, <clears throat> e, our team hangs out some, but we never evaluate or plan. Right after club, we decide the next week's schedule. Who has campaigners to skip the talk? How many people said E? Just one or two. And then lastly, I feel like I hear of this. We'll see if you're brave enough to raise your hand. One leader on our team frantically calls or texts the team the night before or the day of. Usually club and campaigners feel thrown together because they are. I've planned my part in the car on the way to club before. I often think of a better way to do something, but it's just too late. How many people said F describes that? Okay, just a couple, just five or six. What sounds like a lot of you feel pretty well prepared. I really think that, that's one of my bottom lines with our time today is that the more you prepare, the better your humor stuff uh, is going to go at club. Is that my toss to you? So here's what we're going to do really quick. Turn to a partner, okay, say, hi, partner, and then ask yourselves this question. What was the best programmatic thing that you've ever seen and why? Real quick, you got a minute. Exaggerations. Yep. Yeah, for sure. That's great stuff. 
the point of this, guys, is these things stick out in your memories for a reason, right? Everybody has seen something over time. If you've been doing Young Life or if you've been involved in Young Life, you've seen something that you're like, wow, that was really, really awesome, right? And you get home and you're like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe how awesome that was. And there is a reason. A lot of it is because of how much time and preparation went in to that so that it came off looking so easy and so planned and so well prepared. And that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to go through what we would call the eight factors of successful humor in a Young Life Club. And I'm going to toss it off to Hall for number one. Uh, the thing I'd say to preface uh, what we're doing with humor, which I think is so significant, if you want a kid to go home with one thing from club, I hope you wouldn't say that they thought we were really funny. Like I'm going to assume that none of you would say that. I'm going to assume that all of us would say, oh gosh, I just hope that when we read God's word, the Holy Spirit prepared them and they listened and they went home thinking, that's right, I am broken. That they heard God's word and it found a place inside their soul and communicated to them. I know all of us would say that. All of us have a favorite kid that you hope that they come to club that night because you're doing the talk. We all feel that way. So why do we do humor? I define humor as an anesthetic for spiritual surgery. It's an anesthetic for surgery. When a kid comes to club the first time and they have their arms crossed and they're thinking, show me. And you've seen those kids at your school. You know those kids. And they come to club and they will not sing and they will not smile and they will not laugh. And then there's a couple of pretty good things that you guys do during the night and you watch them let down their guard a little bit. And the next time they come, they sit with their friends. And the next time they come, they sit in the front. And the next time they come, they're going crazy with all of their buddies. And that's what we're trying to do. Humor is that anesthetic that allows us to do surgery. I cannot imagine having my appendix out with no anesthetic. Maybe you've had to do that. I bet it hurt. Humor is an anesthetic that allows us to preach the gospel and have a, a very uh, receptive audience. Um, number one, there's eight things we're going to share. Here's number one, ready? This might be unexpected to you. Contact work. Get your butt up to the school. If you don't do any contact work, you're doing a comedy routine in front of a stranger. Haven't you noticed that like when you remember most of them, who was in Young Life as a kid that's in the room now? You were a Young Life kid when you were in high school. Hands high, just so I know. I figured it was almost all of us. My guess is your Young Life leader did a character at club, and you thought, oh, I love it when he does this bit, because he's done that accent at the football game when you were joking about something. And when it happens, it's not the first time you heard him say that, the first time you heard her do that. If you are doing a good amount of contact work, you are doing whatever that bit is in front of kids that already like you. They are ready to laugh. The music comes on and they're even wondering, oh, he's going to do the rapper thing. Oh, he's doing the rapper. Like, that happens. You felt that in your club. And during the seasons where you weren't at the school much, it probably didn't happen. And you hopped up front and you looked into the crowd and you thought, shoot, I know the names of some of the people. You ever had that feeling at club? We are like, crap, I just need to get to the school more. That's going to injure your ability to do comedy stuff at your club. And the other obvious, I hope, is that if you are doing a ton of contact with kids, if you're in their world all the time, you know what they think is funny. I don't know how you'll be able to read their minds if you're never up at the school. So number one is uh, contact work. And number two is being prepared. And we're going to break down being prepared for you note takers. Just make sure you leave enough room. There's script, costumes, and practice. But I'm going to talk about the script. I think a lot of times when you're thinking through the run-on and, you know, being funny in club, we can get into this trap where we go week to week. Right? It's Sunday night, you got club on Monday, you're like, oh gosh, we got a run on to do tomorrow. I better plan out tomorrow. And then the next week, the same thing happens. And the week after that, the same thing happens. And before you know it, the train is running down the track, and you have no idea where this thing is going. And then you get to the end of that semester, you're like, I don't know how we're going to land this thing. That has happened to me before, and it's terrifying. 
So the goal of this is when you're planning out your semester early on, take the time, much like you would plan out a club talk, where you plan out how are you going to come into the intro, then how are you going to set up the personal story, how are you going to transition into the gospel, how are you going to preach the gospel, and then how are you going to provide an application, much like that, how you want to plan out your semester is actually building your storyline up. And then get to the end and you end with a bang and people are like, wow, that was awesome. He just broke a flat screen TV and club. I can't believe he did that, right? You don't want to lead with the big bang and then figure out how am I going to go somewhere from here. The other thing about being prepared, and this is, I think, something that we can all be guilty about. We can all sometimes view programming club as a throwaway, right? You say, okay, you know, we're young life. We just have to be funny. That's just what we do. But it's not a throwaway. The gospel can be proclaimed through a good storyline. Don't take light of that. People, high school kids are smart, and they will, some of them, will connect the dots. They do it with movies. Why can't they do that with a program storyline? They will connect the dots to how your story has progressed to the gospel message. And it will set up the talk well. Uh, other thing I would, I would say in terms of uh, your lines and stuff for your run-on is if you want to ad-lib, some people are really gifted in being able to ad-lib, like Chilcote and like Meekum. Not everybody can do that. So some of that funny stuff, like I think either of those guys could be on TV. For the, the other 98% of us mere mortals, you've probably experienced this where you didn't plan your thing enough. And now you're up front in front of kids, and you're kind of dying. Anybody ever had the experience of you're, you're in the spotlight and you're dying? I, oh, I've had it a bunch. What I've noticed is that if we have a script that's darn near memorized, I can even use my palm to like write a couple of my key lines on, so I remember, like, okay, that's right, he's going to say this and this and this, and then I just have to remember gym shoes, gasoline, blowtorch. Okay, I'll write those three <laughs> words on my hand, then I won't forget anything. And he'll know his cue because he's got the other half written on his hand. We can figure out what that script's going to be. Then if we want to ad-lib, we can. If we think of something funnier to like stick in it, we can. But my experience is, for a lot of us, I, I think a lot of Young Life leaders are in this category. They're not 100% ad-lib funny, but you've had enough success in front of a crowd that you begin to think, you know what? I think I can wing this one. And then this is what we do when we start winging it. We're one minute into it, and the crowd is not with you, and they haven't really laughed yet. So you're thinking, you know what? I'm going to go another minute. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them like last time. And you keep going, and you still don't have them. And then you're thinking, what if I swing at my program partner? That's going to get a laugh. Gosh, they're still not laughing. And the skit gets longer and longer and longer because you're winging it in the hopes that something funny will come out. Has anyone stretched a skit to make it funnier? Some of us are willing to confess that. I just know it happens if you script it out and script out funny stuff. And again, you got to do it in advance. Steal someone else's script. Mm -hmm. Then you can ad-lib it to, uh, to punch it up if you think of something when you're up there. Um, last thing I would mention is on uh, resources. Um, and we'll give you these to you at the end. You're in touch with other people on other club teams. Someone else, I'm sure, has done the run-on where it's two firemen and they come in and this is the gag. Or it's two chefs. Or it's one really big superhero and then a tiny little policeman is two feet. Or whatever the thing is. And they've got the costumes. And they've got the script already. Steal stuff from each other. How many areas have a Google Doc for humor stuff? How many areas have a Google Doc for music? How many areas have a, a Google Doc for uh, Club Talk resources? Raise your hand if you've ever gone to a website for those kinds of things. Okay, great. So maybe you're covering it that way. Um, enough on that. I'm going to dive right into costumes. Uh, costumes. There's a first impression kids have when it comes in. I would argue music, I guess, is the very first thing. But in terms of your character, you come in the door, have a killer costume. It takes time, though. And if you delegate the run-on to kids, we love doing that at our club. If you delegate the costumes to kids, hold their hand and help them get an awesome costume together. 
We were going to do a, a fantastic run-on last year. And uh, I'm especially embarrassed because the guy I delegated to is right here. And I told John, this is going to be awesome. I said, we just got to connect. Can we get, um, can we get wetsuits? Like full wetsuits. And we thought we were going to do it. And do you have it? Do I have it? And I didn't, like, I didn't finish it. And so I kind of injured Johnny. When it was time for the run-on to start, we didn't have wetsuits. We had flippers and goggles and a snorkel. It was a good start. But we didn't have wetsuits. Dump dumpster divers! Like, it would have been really sweet if they had tanks and everything. But, like, I was busy. I was traveling that day, and we kind of quit. Imagine how sweet it would have been if it was the whole gear. And you know what I'm talking about. You know how there's one club in your area that has all this sweet stuff? Where did you get a wig that's literally that big? Steal that thing from them. Like, they, they, they're willing to borrow it or lend it out. But you got to think in advance and ask them, who has it now? Because we want it in three weeks. When can I get your giant plexiglass sheet so we can do the bit with the Oreos on it? You know your area has that stuff. You just need to plan in advance to get props and costumes first. Um, costumes are an easy laugh when it's well done. Oh, here's another key thing. Um, in terms of your head, you communicate not only with the words that kids hear, you communicate by kids being able to see your mouth and see your eyeballs. I know sometimes it feels funnier if you wear like those really sweet sunglasses that are, you know, whatever. Kids cannot see your eyes if you have them on. I would prefer something that's clear. Like if you really like those glasses, pop the lenses out so kids can see your eyes. I know it looks drastically different. I'm just telling you, kids will be able to connect with your lines better if they can see your eyes. And the same thing's true with your mouth. If you have a, a weird beard thing going for your costume or a bandana, I would suggest that you take it off when you're speaking so the kids can see uh, your eyes. You communicate with your whole face. That's enough on costumes. Can I jump into resources oh. real quick? Yeah, 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 please do. Resources, one thing, a lot of times, my wife kills me for this because I, I have a closet in my basement where I just keep all sorts of costumes and, and junk like that for club. But how you build that up over time, this is the easiest way to do it on a budget because I know that a lot of us were younger and we don't have just access to dollars all over the place. But how you can do this, immediately after Halloween ends, go to costume shops, okay? You know those ones that just pop up in the strip mall? Go, everything is like 50 to 75% off. You think you might not need that wig? Well, you might eventually. It's only $12 or $6, whatever. I'll pick it up and I'll throw it in somewhere. And talk to the other people in your area, like coordinate that kind of stuff. Because then that's how you build out this big, massive library of gear on a budget. The other thing is thrift stores. And when you're talking about using a high school kid in a run-on and something in front of a club, it is like shooting fish in a barrel, hanging out with a high school kid saying, hey, I'm going to pick you up and go to the thrift store. we got to go find some ridiculous stuff. That's two hours of just hanging out with one of your key kids. Like, don't, don't shy away from that. Cool. Uh, last subject under uh, being prepared. Uh, who's, who's ever heard the line, practice makes perfect? A few of you? I, I would adjust that. I think this is uh, Yogi Berra said, perfect practice makes perfect. Lombardi. I would. Who is it? Lombardi. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Lombardi, thank yep. you. Appreciate me. You straight me out. Yep. Uh, perfect practice makes perfect. What I mean by that is this. If you decide, like, hey, our club is on Wednesday night, so Wednesday at dismissal, we're going to grab the two kids that are in it, we're going to meet at my house. I'm going to plug my phone into the speaker we have at my house. Stuff always goes wrong with that, doesn't it? You go to the school, and that kid's not there. Where were you? Oh, uh, yeah, I had this thing. And Well, where was the other kid? I got grounded, dude. I'm not even sure I could come tonight. Now you're in deep trouble, aren't you? Or like the leader you were doing it with says, hey, I was going to meet you to practice. I got to go get the whipped cream now. Sorry. It'll be fine. I mean, you've been in that situation before, right? I would suggest practice like a week ahead, five days ahead, at least three days ahead. In general, if I'm responsible for the run on our club and our guys can't practice days ahead, then we just won't do a run on as part of the game. We always wrap the game into the run on too, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I would just suggest have that time to practice and make it perfect. Have time to adjust stuff. I would say if you're going to practice, bring the costumes and everything. Press play on the track so they know what it'll sound like. When we practice in my basement, I try to imagine, okay, this is the front, right, and the crowd's there. Well, I'm going to put the tech in the back then and sort of tech practice. We don't always get to do that. And then it's sloppy when we get to club and we're telling the tech, okay, this is how our run-on goes. You've never seen it. 
So if it doesn't work, when I go like this, just hit our exit music. Oh, man, we're better than that. But you've got to get organized to pull that stuff off. Again, it's just funny. I think of the, the run-on that I, I wanted to do with you so bad, and I didn't set you up well. Like the dumpster divers thing. It was another time where I thought, okay, let's practice Sunday. Ah, uh, no, Sarah's at Okay, what if we do Monday? No, I'm traveling Monday. What do you got Tuesday? I work Tuesday. Like, I should have just said no, but I was desperate to have you in. I just, I thought, just we'll wing it. We'll wing it. Oh, man. I think it was the night that, like, the first years come to your club to visit club. Oh, man. It could have been amazing. And instead, I, I set him up to die. I owe him more than that. Why did I do that to him? So dumb. I should have just said, hey, you know what? We'll do something different tonight, and we'll pick it up next week. Wouldn't it be better to have club be just a little bit shorter instead of having kids go, wow, I'm never going to volunteer to do a run-on. That was bad. Holy cow. Let's not do that. Perfect practice makes perfect. That's enough on that. Yeah. Well, yeah. One last thing. One last thing about perfect practice is this, accents. I think a lot of times, a lot of times we'll try to use accents in club, right? You'd be like, oh, I'm going to be an Italian. And before you know it, all of a sudden you're going Russian on them. And, and you don't know how you got there, right? Well, here's the deal. You want to practice those accents a lot. If you're going to do an accent in club and you want to do it well, practice it a lot. When you're driving the club... You're talking to the people driving next to you, and they can't even hear you, but you know you're talking trash or whatever to the person in the car next to you in that accent so that you're kind of getting into that character. You may have that trigger word that you have to say to kind of get you into it. Like if I go Scottish, I have to say top of the morning, and then I can go into that accent. I used to change my kids' diapers with accents while I'm changing diapers. Colette thought that my son Lucas was going to grow up to be a Scottish dance or something because it was just a habit. But here's the thing. Don't shy away from that practice. You'll get up on stage and all of a sudden you're just going to come out with your normal voice and you'll be like, oh boy, I don't know how we got there. All right, so number three, being funny. Right. Being funny. So here's the thing. We are all gifted in different ways, right? Some of us are naturally not funny. And this is going to tie into another point that we have down the road, and I'll, I'll get there. But you want to play to the strengths of the people that you have on your team. Some are more naturally funny than others. Utilize that. right? We don't want to bore kids with club. We want to play to the strengths that we have. Be loud. People have a hard time in the back catching on to the joke if you're not loud. If you can get away with it and not using a microphone for the run-on in your club, do it. Because it will, it will cause you to push yourself and actually get into the character more. Because you're not having to rely on that. The other thing, exaggerate your expressions. Right? A lot of times, whoever brought up Chilco, that was a great example. Some of you may have seen his program, some of you may have not. But one of the things that made that program great is he would have these outlandish facial expressions, big arm expressions, big kicks, all this kind of stuff. But there's a reason that you go big, because the bigger you are, the more wild it is and the more funny that it's going to come across. You're actually selling your whole self into that. So go big on that. <clears throat> One last thing is acting ability. Some of us have general acting ability in our DNA. You can get up in front of a club and you can kind of put on this character and you can do it well. Others, you have to practice, right? I'd say 90% of people need to practice it. When we give you guys our notes, on the back side, we have a whole thing of acting 101, which is a whole bunch of bulleted tips that may help you and may point out some things that you may not be thinking about that will be really helpful. Number four, be brief. I remember being on summer assignment once, and the opera week one went 60 minutes. And I, I didn't know what to do. Like, I remember going to practice and thinking, are we really going to pull this off? Because that was a really long practice. And then we had to have an uncomfortable sit-down conversation with the program team that went in hour week one because we were not going to do that week two, three, four. Gosh, I think sometimes... 
We're, we're in an environment where we're looking at however it's done on the fall weekend, and then we take that home. And that's, that's part of the risk of this, is everything that we're seeing in the limelight at summer camp and on fall weekends, it's assumed that that's the standard. I really hope one of the ways we can swing the pendulum back in Young Life is that we can put the focus on the, the kids who come and on the gospel message and a little bit less uh, on the, the duration of the humor stuff we're doing. I, in general, this is my role for uh, Club Back Home. Um, whatever the run-on is, the part that does not involve the game, got to be under five minutes. That's my rule. Now, if it's super funny, you might be able to get away with a minute more, but I don't think you're going to go past that. Whatever that intro music is, you got about 10 seconds. Don't play the song from the very beginning and, yeah, we're going to come in at 1 minute 38. You know, don't, don't do that. Fast forward the song to the chorus and then just come in. It is funny for the crowd to realize, like, oh, that's that one song about, oh, it looks just like him when you come in. So whet their appetite, but I think less is more. So I would say your intro music needs to be 15 seconds. I would make it loud and high energy. In general, I would not go for subtle humor in your run-ons. Go for obnoxious slip stack, slap stick, thank you, in-your-face humor. Every kid gets that. I think if you shoot for, like, the chess kid, you know, that will recognize the slight eye twitch you had, he's probably the only kid that's going to laugh. Uh, ah, there's a climax in your run-on. Something happens when your run-on comes out. You tell a couple jokes, then you get a repeater line in, and then there's the big laugh that's coming that you designed your run-on to have. Once you hit that climax, it's time to leave. So I would say when that climax hits, figure out a way to get out quick. Like maybe another 10 or 15 seconds and then the, the extra music uh, is coming. I would also make sure your tech knows um, it's always okay to kind of cut off the program. And tell your tech that. Some, like our tech at our club, it's always a kid. And I'll need to remind them, like, if they're dying up there, just hit play. Yep. Turn it up to 10 if it's really bad. And I want to make sure they know, like, it's not their fault. Those things happen. But you've all been up front where you think, oh, gosh, if only I could somehow mentally, telepathically tell them, just hit play. Make sure your tech knows to bring it early and bring it loud. You ever had your extra music come on and it's like a whisper? And you're like, ah, oh, son of a gun, he did it again. Make sure... <laughs> Make sure after he presses stop, put the volume back up to 10 or whatever what it needs to be on. Just bring it early, bring it loud. Uh, and the obvious with, with all of this brevity issue is leave them wanting more. I, don't, I think that's your goal is that you'd leave and kids would be going, no, no, I wish it were longer. You've all been at club where you thought, finally. We don't, you don't want your kids thinking that. Make it short. Next one. So number five is know your role. Naturally, we already talked about how some people are just funnier than others. Play into that and know your role. You're gonna, by nature, you're going to have one person out of you know the two or three that you have doing that run on that is funnier. Give them the funny lines. Allow the other person that's doing it to help be the driver and help steer the ship into a landing. Because more times than not, that person that's a little bit less funny is probably going to be a whole lot better at memorizing lines because they've been forced to memorize that kind of stuff in order to be funny. So that person can help guide you into a real smooth landing to end. That's all I got there. Cool. Number six might be the most important thing we talk about, uh, is appropriate versus inappropriate. It's an interesting thing that happens in our mind when we're not at club versus at club, at least maybe you've, I'm assuming your brain works like mine that you felt this struggle before. There are times when you have a conversation with a kid and you think, oh gosh, what just came out of my mouth? That wasn't really right. Whew, I'm glad I was just talking to one person. I, I need to go apologize. Whew. And then somehow we're up front at club and we feel like we could get a bigger laugh if it was just a little dirty. Or will refer to something that they know, like, oh, I saw that movie. Woo! Like, even the craziest pothead kid is blushing in the crowd because you know, like, it'll get a laugh. Or you know that if I wear that costume that's like a little risque, like, 
that'll help move this forward. Or have the shirt that says something dirty. We all have that thought in our head of, I know what makes these kids laugh. They're used to watching that on TV. Why don't I press that button a little bit? Because it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to add a cuss word to a sentence and a kid will laugh. It's easy to refer to something that they've already laughed in, laughed at because they saw that movie that was not rated G, right? This is what I would suggest. You are Jesus with skin on for those kids. I remember my leader, Brad Johnson, saying, you might be the only Jesus those kids ever meet. They're going to look at your life. They're going to look at what comes out of your mouth. They're going to look at the way you drive. They're going to look at the way you spend your money. Everything in your it's all one. It's all one. They're going to assume that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what this Jesus is like. I wonder what he's like. I wonder if this Christianity thing really works. And then you hop up in front of club, and I've got to think they're wondering, does it work? Because this is your moment to tell them, like, okay, I'm going to live out my faith one more time. This is me hanging out at Panera. This is me hanging out at the football game. This is me hanging out at Dismissal. This is me in a funny hat in front of club. My music just ended. And now I'm grabbing a microphone, or now I'm deciding I don't, don't need a microphone, whatever. And you go into your stuff. They're watching everything you do and everything you say. Does it represent Jesus? Would kids go, ah, oh, wow, that was really fun and creative and funny, and they worked really hard. I can't believe they knew the dance moves were perfectly synchronized. They did that for me. They did that for us. Or did you take the easy way? And do something crude. It doesn't represent the Lord. I think of these verses that, that haunt me when I've crossed the line. Be holy because I am holy. 1 Peter 1. You'll have all this afterwards. You don't have to frantically write it all down. This is what Paul said. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice in the God of the universe. It's like, wow, really? Really? Everything? Anything you've seen in me, heard from me, or you've seen me do, put that in. Do you have the guts to say that to your kids? If you just imitate me, you'll be following Jesus 100%. That's a pretty high standard. What message does inappropriate humor really send to kids? Here's a spooky thought. God will hold you accountable for what we do with kids. St. James, right? Teachers are held to a higher standard. I think of Jesus telling a crowd once, any of you that causes one of these little ones to sin, it'd be better if you had a millstone hung around your neck to be thrown into the sea. Hebrews 12, God disciplines those that he loves. It will come back to bite you because Jesus loves those kids and he loves you. I remember setting up a plan to take all these guys to an R-rated movie when I was an early leader. And it is, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. It wasn't that bad of an R-rated movie. Like, I'm already brainwashed by our culture. I thought this will be fine. Thank goodness one of their moms had the guts to call me out. Eric, are you really taking them to that show? Because my son said you guys are meeting at your apartment like in an hour to go see that. What did I miss? Oh, well, uh, what do you say? It's not that bad. The guy only gets shot in the face one time, ma'am, really. And the sex scene, they kind of, it's, uh, like, what are you going to say to that mom? What are you going to say to the guy who five years later will say, you know, I never struggled with porn until I met Hoff. Oh my goodness, are you serious? And the girls that are so struggling with self-image and so struggling with guys, do you really want to push the envelope further in that direction? I hope all of us would say, no way. Not a chance. We're trying to drag them out of the dark and into the light. That's what we want to do with our kids. And I think for the most part, we're doing that in our personal lives. For the most part, we're doing that one-on-one. -on -one. 
then why in the world, when we get a chance to showcase the, the true life we have in Christ, do we add the word freaking to it? Because it kind of gives us some punch. What's well, a substitute for a word we all know? Why do we do that? We're so, that hungry for a laugh. I would argue Jesus is better than that, and so are we. Pushing the limits cheapens the gospel. Isn't it weird <laughs> that we do things that are out of bounds, and then five minutes later your co-leader hops up to read from God's word? That's just awkward, isn't it? So we're telling a kid in one moment, you know, the gospel works for the most part, but I really think his dirty joke's funny. Jesus really works. No, I swear he works. And my co-leader's going to tell you right now that he really does work. It's two opposite messages. We don't need to do that. Oh, wow. Here's an interesting thought. Imagine that you're doing, whatever you're doing at club, imagine you're doing it in front of kids, parents, and the high school administration, and every pastor in town. Would you do the exact same thing? If the answer is no, please know this. They're all watching you on social media. They did see it. They did hear it. I mean, it's rampant, isn't it? Like a friend of ours got drafted to uh, Seattle Sounders. And like before he could text one friend, how many of us knew? Like his phone is blowing up with congratulations. Really fun. I hope he makes it. I'm not going to fly out for a game, but I hope he makes it. He'll play the crew on uh, May 31st, and I'm going to go if he makes it. Otherwise, I'm not going to go. <laughs> Am I off track? Sorry. You're good. I t- the educator seminar, the, the breakout last night, the administrator at Olentangy said, you know, we're, we're trained to understand social media and to follow on Twitter our potential employees and our current teachers. We have to. Don't you think parents are kind of creeping on their kid a little bit to see what they're into. They're watching everything you're doing in your life, all of it. The stuff that you have already posted on your history, whatever it is, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and whatever the next thing will be when parents start doing Snapchat so everybody abandons it and goes to the next thing. Moms and dads are watching in your community, and that might be why they're uncomfortable when they meet you. It's time to grow up. Do you want a job? Future employer is going to comb your social media. What's in it? Selfishly, we need to be thinking through those things. But I would just argue at club, pretend that you're on live television in front of your community because they're all following what gets posted. Please. On that social media point, on the flip side, when you are being really appropriate, that is something awesome because a lot of times we will post videos to our club's account so that parents and community members can see stuff. And they love it. They love to see what the kids are up to. They love to see what you guys are up to. So if you are being appropriate, seriously, take advantage of that because that will only help your standing within the community. What the parents do in moderation, the children will do in excess. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase before. Whoever you follow, whatever they do, whatever they say, you imitate that. And in, in general, the next generation will take that thought and take it to the extreme. Oh, my young life leader took us climbing at that climbing place. It was 10 bucks a head, and they had ropes and the whole gear. Dude, we're doing Clifton Gorge next weekend. Well, that's great as long as they have the gear and helmets, you know. And then at some point, Clifton Gorge isn't cool. Dude, we're climbing the outside of Pete's Tower. How, what do you mean? No, really. We're just going to go to Kings Island without we're to, to uh, what's the name of the camp? Kern. Camp Kern, thank you. Without permission. And we're like, it's just going to keep escalating. I don't know how you prevent that. It's just part of a reality of life. If your humor has a little bit of an edge to it, the kids in your club right now, they're going to be running clubs next year. And they're going to imitate what you do. I remember on a fall weekend, not that long ago, it was an accident. And Meekum referred to it. We did the pass it down thing. I was backstage. Everybody started screaming, projectile vomit. It was, were any of you there? Oh, my gosh. It was awful. And he still kissed his wife. Holy cow. That's bad. Now, that was an accident. It was an accident. He didn't do it. That video went viral. It's interesting in my school district, like I've already watched in the Young Life crowd, vomiting games have made a comeback. This is weird. We almost killed it. We almost had it buried. And now it's uh, made a comeback. I wonder if it was tied that funny little. That was an accident. Imagine the things that we do on purpose. 
Like if we're doing run-ons that have the, you know, the classic Michael Jackson crotch grab kind of stuff, if we're telling our kids that's okay, they're going to do that and more. And maybe much more. We've got to set up high standard. Rather than lifting up being edgy, why, why wouldn't we lift up being excellent and our kids would try to be even more excellent than we are? So err on the side of caution. Um, I don't think of guys' costumes as much as I think of girls' costumes. Because every once in a while, because guys are just more visual, and I don't need to explain that a lot, do I? I just know that there have been times where I've gone, oh my gosh, tell me when she's off stage. I should not be looking at that. Delete, 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 you know. And everyone's watching that run on. Err on the side of being conservative in terms of uh, your costumes. Anything else on appropriateness? All right. Next. Uh, number seven is simple. So make sure that you keep it simple. A lot of times you try to go for this really heady, over-the-top humor, and then all of a sudden you're told like 50 jokes because you thought one of these is going to land, and none of them land, and you're like, okay, that, none of those went. So now i got to tell a few more, and hopefully I'm going to get there. But if you just go for that simple laugh, right out the gate, and you build that script, and you build everything into that one moment, that belly laugh is worth it. And you don't have to do all that work, and there's 50 to 75 jokes to get to the one good belly laugh. So the more simple you are, the more brief you are, the better off it's going to be. The, the team I was with at camp once where their opera went an hour, there were a number of things like that on the assignment where everything was complicated and out of thin air, and it was interesting, like the summer staff that knew them thought it was hilarious, and the camp was scratching their head. And my suggestion at the end of our month was, what if instead of the creative person on the team planning the stuff, have, have the least creative person planning the plot and defining the characters? And it was in, I, I know it would be more simple if the simpler thinker planned the, the meat of their run-on. Um, Last one I have is this. Number eight is evaluate. Give each other feedback. Um, I think it's important for whoever's doing the run-on to know, like, if he bombed and he doesn't know that he bombed, oh, man, we're going to bomb again next week. <laughs> if it was really long and he didn't think it was long, well, they're going to go 18 minutes next week. If he thought a three-minute intro video before the 10-minute run-on was okay, well, they're going to do the same video. That's their commercial for the video. Who's going to stop the insanity? Like, you've got to sit with a team, and I hope evaluation is part of um, how you sit with your team. Um, I hope you discuss areas of improvement um, from week to week and semester to semester. Something that you could consider, we've done this kind of inconsistently in my club. We have a card that, like, we do campaigners club on the same night. Um, I give every leader one of these cards, and some weeks we all do it. And there's questions on there like, how did campaigners go? When did it start? What was your favorite part of campaigners? Did kids pray? A lot or a little? Or none. Was there an application at the end where every kid felt like, this is my homework for next week? And then in the other bottom, the bottom half of the sheet is on club. When did it start? <clears throat> when did it end? What was the best song? What was the song we should never, ever do again? What was really funny in the run-on? What suggestion would you give to the folks that did the run-on? Would a kid come back? What do you especially love about your team tonight? Like, and, we, and then you take a screenshot of it or whatever and text it to your team. That's been really helpful uh, for us when we've done it consistently. Got to get back into doing that. I love that. So that's the end of the outline. Questions? We have time? What do we got? Okay, we got a couple minutes. Are there any burning questions? Yes. Uh, so you guys do like a game with your program or you Awesome. Let's say that the game is blowing, thank you, blowing a penny out of a cup. Well, you're, you're going to put flour in there. What's connected with flour? Uh, bakers, because it's flour. Cocaine, we can pretend it's Coke, and oh no, we're going there again, aren't we? You know, like, I would just suggest tie in the idea of the game to run on characters. Like, we did club in a barn. It was so fun. We've never done it before. It was crazy. We took bales of hay and turned them into like an amphitheater. We did gift wrapping a chicken. Like it was, the chicken were so docile though, it was so bummed. 
But the whole theme of that night was country. We were doing something with chickens. It just lent itself to having more of a country bumpkin farmer thing. So I would say think it through. If it's Christmas time, have the run-on characters be elves. At Christmas, our run-on characters were elves. We did an Elf Yourself 30-second video to bring them in. They suck helium. It's Christmas carols. It was just that was the, the way it felt going in. So that's what I mean when I say use run-on characters that are tied to whatever the game is. So this is where it depends on your club. Every club's going to be a little bit different. For our club, we run uh, what I would call a more traditional lineup where we go two songs a game, two songs, a run-on, and then two songs, a talk, because our kids like to sing, so we go six songs. But So what we do is we'll run that run-on from club one or club two all the way through up until either end of the semester or for the fall, we'll run it right up to fall weekend and use it as our fall weekend sell, so that our script is building up into fall weekend. But every club will be a little bit different, so that's where you just want to sit down with your team and and that's where planning comes in. Like, don't shirk away from planning. We usually only do two in a row. At the most three. Like, if they're really killing it, we'll do three. But we usually only do two in a row. <laughs> question in the back. Okay. Two weeks in a row. Two club meetings in a row. Two weeks in a row. And sometimes we'll do a third if, like, we have time to practice with them and it's going awesome. But usually we just do two in a row. One last question. Yeah. Say it really loud. How many people? So we've got differing opinions. Um, Eric is a big proponent of two. Um, I typically, if it's the run-on and I'm not weaving a game into it, I'll typically go about three. That way I can have two people on the protagonist side and then one antagonist because that will usually help my storyline build appropriately along as it goes. But it really ultimately ends on your team. If you've got a team of four, you probably just want to go two. And if you're going to use a high school kid, sometimes that's an easy way to bring a third character in because you can team that high school kid up with the protagonist. I would never, ever put a high school kid in the antagonist role because you're playing with fire because they will most likely take it someplace you don't want it to go. Hey, I'm going to uh, close in prayer. Um, we have a bunch of documents and resources for you uh, that are not on this sheet, but we're going to email it to your area director. Just ask them to forward it to all of you, and then you'll have stuff. So thank you for listening so long. Jesus, thank you that uh, you're the author of life and fun. We want to be like you. Uh, we don't want kids to look at us and say, gosh, they're just like the world. I pray, Lord, that kids would look at us and say, I don't know what they're like, but I really, really like it. Who are they like? And I pray that in that they would discover you. Thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray that we would all know uh, what it is that we need to take home from this time and discuss it with our teams. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.